We're going to um, learn a um, talk of the Rebbe that is uh, printed in Kutasichas Volume 8. And it discusses the, um, it's not just the only time they ever discuss this, but there's many uh, talks that I've been discussing the connection between Shavuos, the holiday of giving the Torah, and the three tzaddikim, which have relationship to this day. The main theme of the holiday of Shavuos is it's a day that God gave us the Torah. And even though in the Pasuk, which it talks about the holiday of Shavuos, it doesn't mention the giving of the Torah, it doesn't say in the Torah anything about you should celebrate the day that God gives the Torah. There actually is no mention of celebrating anything about giving the Torah in the Torah, which is a very uh, peculiar thing as an, as an aside. Um, one of the reasons that we don't have a mention for this in the Torah explicitly is because God wants us to realize that the Torah isn't associated with a certain day of the year and a certain place and time. It's for every place and every time. Okay. Beautiful. So, so, so we're celebrating the complete Torah, the whole turn. Another another thing on the line, along the lines of what you're saying is that the um, Ten Commandments have in them 620 letters. Why 620 letters? The 613 commandments. And the answer is, is that in the, the, the Ten Commandments are sort of like the marriage document between us and the Jewish people and, and Hashem. And the marriage document has all the things that we're uh, bound to keep. So there's not only 613 commandments, there's also seven commandments that were instituted later by the tzaddikim. For example, the blessing you say every day, that's one of the seven commandments that the sages instituted. It's a mitzvah that was instituted by the sages. So just like in marriage, there is uh, things which a spouse may ask the other, uh, for, from, from uh, their mate. And then there are things that you're supposed to preempt and supposed to assume, you're supposed to know by yourself. So in our marriage document with Hashem, we don't just have the 613 commandments. We also have the seven commandments of the sages alluded to by the 620 letters in the 10 commandments. So the 620 letters allude to the 613 commandments and the seven laws of the, of the rabbis. Anyway, so... So it doesn't say in the Torah to celebrate the holiday of the giving of the Torah. It just says celebrate the 50th day from, from uh, uh, Passover, from the time the Omer is counted. And the truth is that not always is Shavuos associated with the day the Torah is given. There was a time when our calendar followed uh, witnesses who had to testify when the various, uh, when the new moon had come and when the calendar was established according to that uh, system, sometimes the holiday of Shavuos did not fall out on the same day as the giving of the Torah. You could have the holiday of Shavuos on the seventh day of Sivan or the eighth day of Sivan. It didn't always have the fifth day of Sivan, depending on, uh, on how many days there were in the months of Nisan and year, you could actually have the holiday of Shavuos being totally uh, not celebrated on the same day the Torah was given. And a similar thing, similar thing could happen even today also when the person goes over the dateline. It's possible for them to celebrate Shavuos uh, based upon their personal counting of the Omer, they're actually celebrating Shavuos not in the same days the Torah is given. But nevertheless, the Yushalmi says that by all the sacrifices, the Torah uses all the other sacrifices associated with the holiday, the Torah uses the word a sin offering. 
but the 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 uh, sacrifices that are brought in Shavuos are not called sin offerings. And the reason is, says the Talmud Yerushalmi, because God says, if you accept upon yourself the yoke of Torah, you accept upon yourself now on the yoke of Torah, God says, I consider it as if you had never made any mistakes, ever. As long as you accept upon yourself the yoke of Torah, Hashem says, I consider it as, as if there, never been any, there has never been any sins. Yoke of Torah. So what I have uh, learned is that this refers to specifically setting set time to study Torah. Every day you're supposed to have a set time to study Torah by day and set time to Torah by night. Not Shachtun Chamaev, that's three times a day, twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, have a set time to study Torah. So, um, huh? I'm not saying to study, not to pray. I'm saying that in addition to praying three times a day, you just have two set times every day to study Torah. And that, that's what the yoke of Torah means. Saying that, think about yourself, the yoke of Torah means to have a set time to study Torah. That's one interpretation. Um, the previous Rebbe actually once said uh, regarding Shuas, he says, on the night of Shuas, the person should say, to say, I accept upon myself the yoke of Torah. And he shouldn't even say, bleed nether. Usually, when you make a, a such a declaration, you want to make sure that you're not going to get in trouble with it. And you say, What you're saying is above and beyond chapters and Tanagra, we're supposed to set a time during the course of the day to, to study Torah. Is that? Yeah, this class qualifies. This is the time we're, we're studying Torah together. What if that on my own reading? Of course. But, but there's an advantage of having a set time and a set place where you do it. There's an advantage of setting a time, not just to doing it nonchalantly whenever you have time. Is we set that time ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it could be any time. It could be less. It could be more. If we do that and skip to it, then we're forgiven for our sins. That's, that's what the Talmud Yushalmi says. And that's why um, the holiday of Shavuos doesn't have sin offerings, because the holiday of Shavuos is associated usually with the giving of the Torah. And that's why the holiday, that's what the Talmud Yushalmi says this about this holiday, that although it's not officially connected to the giving of the Torah, but it the fact that the Talmud Yushalmi puts that into the reason for why there are no sin offerings on this holiday indicates that this, it, there is a relationship between Shavuos and the giving of the Torah. Although it's possible for not to fall out on that day, but since it does fall out on that day usually, and the Talmud Yushalmi says there are, that the, the, holiday, the sacrifices of the day aren't considered sin offerings because we accepted the Torah and we accept the Torah every year anew on the holiday of Shavuos, that then indicates that there is a connection between the giving of the Torah and and the, um, the and the holiday of Shavuos. So that's one event that happened on Shavuos. Generations later, holiday of Shavuos became connected with another event. That's the day when King David, when David Amalek passed away. Talmud Yerushalmi says David Amalek passed away on on Shavuos. The Babylonian Talmud says that David Amalek passed away on Shabbos. So the problem is there's a rule Loi Badu Pesach which means the first day of Pesach cannot fall out on a Sunday, Wednesday, or Friday. And since it can't fall on a Sunday, Wednesday, or Friday, so the uh, Shavuos, the 51st day, cannot be on Shabbos. But nevertheless, according to many, it's not a problem. It, it's not worried it's about how many days are there 
How many of you just issued to be a tablet of the torch and not the lap? I don't know how long the month is. The month goes according to how many how many days there are to the new moon. Yeah. Who's to the fiftieth day? So how many days are there? Doesn't matter day in this minute was. You have to you have to count the fifty days. So you finish fifty days, you're not done. So it's like today, you pass over the date line. Right. That's that's. So that's the answer. That 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 in the days of David Amalek, the, the calendar was established according to witnesses, and therefore Shavuos could fall on Shabbos. Uh, in our time, uh, until Mashiach comes, we got the second day of Shavuos on on Shabbos on the seventh of of Sivan. So that's how it's possible. There's no argument between the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud. It was a year when the uh, by the way, there's cups outside. You have to take cup of coffee. It's kosher today. Um, so what does the word the Talmud says? Because the Mora doesn't want the sages didn't want to differentiate between one holiday and the other. Yeah. They wanted more than one friendship, one holiday and the other. And therefore, they establish all the holidays have to have the same amount of uh, days. So, so that's what happened generations later in the time of King David. Generations afterwards, in the time of every uh, thousand years corresponds to one day of the week. So, in the in history, when we were the Jewish, when the history arrived that Friday after midday, um, there was another event that happened on Shavuos. In other words, Mashiach has called the day of Shabbos. So the first millennia is called Sunday. So when we've arrived in history to Friday afternoon, God caused another event to happen on Shavuos. And meaning, it's, I think the way I was indicating it, something which is connected to the, the future, the coming of Mashiach, something new was introduced in the holiday of Shavuos, which, has, which is something deeper. And that is the passing of the Baal Shem. Baal Shem passed away on the first day of Shavuos in the sixth of seven. Um, there is a such there isn't a disagreement. There's a discussion about when exactly the Balshantiv was buried, um, because it, it says about Moshe Rabbeinu that no one knew where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried. So in a similar way, uh, it says regarding the Balshantiv that no one knew exactly when the Balshantiv was buried, because technically you could do the burial on the second day of Yantiv. Uh, halakhically, that that that's that's fine. So there is a discussion when Noshana was buried, but his passing was on the first day of Shavuos. So those are the three events that happened on Shavuos, the giving of the Torah, the passing of King David, and the, and the, and the passing of Baal Shem. So everything that happens in the world is by divine providence. And certainly these lofty events, like the giving of the Torah, the passing of King David, and the Baal Shem, who, who are leaders of the Jewish people for all time, uh, it's understood, understood that these three events, since they happened the same day, must have some Common denominator. Yes. I don't know the time of this one. But the, 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 I'll tell you, Shachris is 9.15. It's after 9.15 Shachris. So what do you want me to do? Prepare. So, um, 
so the uh, so these three events have a common denominator. Since they all happen at the same time, they have a common denominator. That means what happened on the holiday of the giving of the, on, on the holiday of Shavuos, the giving of the Torah, was revealed somewhat through King David, and then even more through the Baal Shem Tov. Something that that happened on this event, on this day, excuse me, uh, on Shavuos, what transpired then, three thousand three hundred and thirty-three years ago, it was more revealed, was more, was brought home through King David and even more through Baal Shem Tov. So we need to understand exactly what the Baal Shem Tov and King David and the holiday beginning of the Torah have in common and how King David and the Baal Shem Tov developed the theme that started on the day that God gave us the Torah. So we'll understand this by first looking at this Medrash. Medrash says about the, the novelty that was accomplished in the day of giving the Torah. King David said like this, God says, Hashemayim, Shemayim Hashem, the heavens belong to God and the earth belongs to man. But nevertheless, when God gave the Jewish people the Torah, he nullified this decree. And he said, I will go down to Mount Sinai and there won't be a separation anymore between the heavens and the earth, in other words. And not only will I go down, I'll start this, this convergence between heaven and earth, but then God told, summoned Meshach to go up to Mount Sinai, which indicates that not only will the heavens go down to earth, but the earth will go up to heaven. So that's the that's the chiddush. Uh, that's the novelty. That's what was achieved by giving the Torah that uh, the there was a convergence between the spiritual and the physical, between the heaven and earth. Now the way the Medish phrases it is that the 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 earth or the lower the language the Medish is actually the language of the Medish is the lower ascend to the higher realms. And the higher realms descend to the lower realms. And it's very specific. It says, first, the lower realms ascend to the higher realms. But that's not actually what happened chronologically. First, God descended on Mount Sinai, which is representing the higher realms descending to the lower realms. And then Moshe Rabbein was summoned to go up to, to, to God in heaven. So, and the message itself says, God says, I will make the first move. It says in other places that when... Um, the sin of the tree of knowledge caused God's presence to become banished from hidden from the world. And so therefore it would have made sense for God to say, Hey, you know, we had an issue. It's time for you to, to if, if, if we're going to solve this, you should make up first and you should make the first move. And you should be the ones to send to heaven first after you, but God didn't, doesn't do that. And we shouldn't do that either. Shouldn't, shouldn't wait for someone else to make the first move. You should always make the first, when you have a disagreement with someone, don't wait for them to make the first move. So, so why does the Medrash say the first, the, the, the lower realms ascend to the higher realms, when chronologically the higher realms descend to the lower realms first? God descended to Mount Sinai before Moses went up to heaven. So why does it say that first? And the reason is because the main intent of God breaking the rule that he had in place until Mount Sinai, that there, can be, that there can't be any connection between, between the heaven and earth. God's main intent is that, which... The breaking that rule, Hashem's decision to, to know that rule really is accomplished subsequent to Mount Sinai. When we do mitzvahs, we learn Torah, we're able to elevate the physical right now. We're learning Torah, we're using our mouth, using our ears. We're elevating the physical and bringing it to the spiritual. So that's the main goal of the giving of the Torah. It's The reason why that's mentioned first is because that's God's intent in creation. God wants more than, he doesn't really want to be the one to, uh, 
to bring his holiness to the world. What he wants is that we should make a home for him here. We should make the we should make that move. So yes, yes, he did make the first move. He did bring his he, when the giving the Torah happened. It says that the waves didn't didn't uh, wave, and the birds didn't chirp, and and there was a all of creation was the angels were silent. All of creation was silent to hear God's voice, and so God revealed Himself to every. There was no echo because no, unlike the uh, movies, there's no there was no echo when God gave us the Torah because I am Lord your God, God, God it didn't happen that way. Why? Because because when God gave us the Torah, he, his, his, his light permeated all of creation. He made it, in order to make it possible, that wherever you are in the world, you should be able to do a mitzvah and bring God's holiness to that place. It had to have first been um, all the, the physical veneer, of uh, the opaque physical veneer of creation had to be suspended for a moment. And that suspension made it possible later for us to be able to inject spirituality in the world. In other words, because Hashem caused this revelation and all of creation was overwhelmed by God's truth, so although that stopped and the shofar was blown and then and then you couldn't see that anymore, but that momentary revelation made it possible for us to later to bring that back to a mitzvah. I have a friend of mine uh, who told me he, he once did something which wasn't so kosher on an airplane. I'm like, how could you do that? Why did you do that? It's, it says the Talmud, the Torah is not in heaven. So, it's, <laughs> but there... <laughs> There are all, all kinds of um, ways people justify, uh, you know, what, what, what we do, why we do it. And, but the truth is that every part of creation, every space and every place, every space in the world was already enveloped by God's truth. And our goal, Hashem's goal, is that we should elevate the physical to the spiritual. So there was a moment where Hashem suspended the opaque physical near of creation, and you could see Hashem's truth pervade all of reality. And the goal is that we should elevate the physical world to holiness by doing mitzvahs. So that's why God mentions the, I want the, the nether lower world to ascend to the higher world first, even though the first event wasn't really that. The first event was God's revelation. God mentions that first because that's his intent. That's his goal. He wants us to ascend. So that's what happened giving the Torah. And this will give us some insight to the relationship between King David and the uh, and the Baal Shem Tev and the Salad. On the holiday of Shavuos, the main thing that happened was really on the holiday itself was that the higher worlds descended to the lower worlds. And that happened in a perfect way. In other words, the revelation of the higher into the lower, the heaven coming down to earth, that's what happened then. That happened in a perfect way. And this is something that didn't exist before the Torah was given. The Talmud says that the, the mikveh in the temple has, it was 23 amas tall, or 46 uh, uh, amas tall. How does Talmud know how tall it was? Talmud says because the water that descended into the mikveh comes from a place called uh, Menetam. And since we know the height of the uh, wellspring, we also know the height of the mikveh because you can't have a place be higher than its source. Since the source was 23 amas high, so the, since the water is coming to that elevation, so therefore the mikvah, which is being um, uh, uh, filled up with that wellspring, can't be higher than that itself. In a similar way, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, although they all serve God and they all serve God in a way that is far beyond our imagination, yet there's something that they were unable to do, to do that we can do. They weren't able to bring down Galenus. Um, in the, 
in the same way that we can. It says about Avram Avinu, until Avram Avinu, God's presence became more and more hidden. The generation of the tree of knowledge caused God's presence to be hidden and banished to the first heaven, and then the generation of Cain by killing his brother caused God's presence to be more hidden to the sixth heaven. And there were seven generations of sin which caused God's presence to become more and more hidden. And then the Midrash says that Avram was, Avram was the first one to cause there to be light in the world. So, although he caused it to be light in the world, the language of the Medrash is actually he caused God's presence to descend from the seventh heaven to the sixth heaven. He didn't actually cause it to be some kind of revelation in the physical world. There, there was a limit to what he could do. You, you, he was only able to reach as far as he could reach. You can only lift yourself up as high as you can reach with your hands. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't reach beyond yourself. So, when God, however, gave us the Torah Mount Sinai, so the revelation of Hashem pervaded all the physical reality. And that's why no birds were chirping. Because, and, and you heard God's voice from all directions. Uh, it, it became, and there was no echo because, because it permeated all the physical reality. That was the difference between Avram Avinu's time of him bringing spirituality to the world, that he couldn't bring it to the physical, and the giving of the Torah accomplished that it was, it was brought to the physical. But the deficiency, that, that what was missing at that event of Sinai, was that it just was for a brief moment. God revealed himself then, and the world didn't really participate in that experience. It was more about God revealing himself. The world wasn't elevated. It was more like Hashem did like a shock and awe. That was the language they used when they attacked uh, uh, Iraq in the second Cold War. Uh, shock and awe. We're going to attack, we're going to destroy, we're going to blow up, and we're going to scare everybody. So, um, so that's how Hashem brought godliness to the world and gave us the Torah. It was shock and awe. It was just God revealing himself to the world. It wasn't about the world becoming a better place on its own, intrinsically. It was about Hashem revealing himself. The actual elevation of the world itself, the world becoming a better place, that happened after Sinai. That happened through the Jewish people who do mitzvahs and elevate the world. They got the power for it at Mount Sinai. But the actual work they got hired at Mount Sinai. The actual work wasn't done at Sinai. The actual work was done after Sinai. So although Avram Avinu did begin this, Avram Avinu did begin this process of revelation of Hashem in the world, and it took generations until it actually until God's presence actually came to the physical reality of the world. Want to come inside? We're about to finish, but to join us for the uh, the best part of the soup is the last drop. Hashem made the world. Oh, so although although the process began by Abraham, it didn't fully reach the world till Mount Sinai. Uh, in a similar way, that's regarding the trajectory of bringing Galilee from above to below. It started at Abraham's time. It didn't reach the world till till Sinai. Till yeah, same is also conversely that elevating the world, making the world a home for Hashem, took a lot of time. And it was completed by King David. King David is also called the um, the uh, seventh. In the, just like Moses is the seventh of Abraham, so too King David is also called the seventh. Uh, and more than King David, King Solomon caused actually King David just built made the preparatory steps to build the tabernacle to build the temple. King Solomon actually built the tabernacle, and his time it says the moon was always full doesn't necessarily mean that there was always a full moon in the sky. It means that the, the, the sphera, we're looking at the sphera this week, right? There's, there is a sphera of Malchus. 
which is the sort, it's, you know what you heard of the 10 utterances which God made the world? God made the world with 10 things. Let there be light, let there be a sky. So the, the, so the divine origin for creation is called Malchus. So the moon, just like the moon receives from the sun, so too, um, long explanation, I'm trying to make this very short. In the time of King Solomon, there's a, there a perfect revelation. It's, there, there, there was, there was, the beginning of the process of elevating the world began at, after Sinai. But when was there a full elevation of the world towards Hashem in a way that the world itself became a home for Hashem? It started by King David, and it, it was fully re realized by King Solomon there was actually a temple here. The reason why King Solomon specifically and King David specifically run out for right now, but one thing I wanted to mention was the moon being always full. Um, okay, yeah. So, um, it works like this. King, the, the moon is the receives light from the sun. In a similar way, the lowest sphere of the world of Atsilus receives its light from the, from the spheres above above it. So the moon is represents the Jewish people. The full light of the moon represents the full light of the Jewish people. That's why all of our holidays are on the 15th of the month. The 15th is connected to the full light of the Jewish people. So King Solomon who was a 15th generation from, from uh, um, entering Eretz Yisrael. He was the 15th, 15th generation, not sure counting from when. I'm not sure counting from from the generation of Joshua, I think. King Solomon was a 15th generation. King David was a 14th generation. So because he was a 15th generation, so his generation caused there to be the full elevation of the world towards Galilee. So Moshe Rabbeinu, who was a seventh from Avram, he caused there to be the full revelation from God into the world. And the full elevation of the world towards godliness, the full the full. Uh, ascent of us towards Hashem was realized by King Solomon, who was the 15th generation. And just like the moon is full on the 15th day of the month, also King Solomon achieved there to be a full elevation of the world towards Hashem. And, uh, okay, well, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, 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 I'll review when we, when we learn on Sunday, God willing. Sunday, Mr. Hashem at uh, Sam 15, we have a class. All right. Yeah, we're going to discuss it. That's where, that's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. There must be a connection. We're going to discuss it.